0: This is Dan Fleisch, and this is the third podcast for section 4.2 of A Student's Guide to Maxwell's Equations. This one deals with J, the electric current density, and the relevant section of the text begins on page 105. This term is one of the two terms on the right side of the Ampere-Maxwell law that serve as the sources for the magnetic field, the curl of which appears on the left side of the Ampere-Maxwell law first thing to say about J, the electric current density, is that in some texts you will find this referred to as volume current density, and you shouldn't let that terminology confuse you into thinking that somehow this is a quantity per cubic meter since it's called volume density. In the case of J, the current density, you have to picture the current flowing through an imaginary area that's perpendicular to the direction of the flow. And then ask yourself, what is the vector current per unit area of that perpendicular surface. In other words, how many amperes of current are flowing through each square meter of that area? So the units of J, current density, are not amperes per cubic meter, but rather amperes per square meter. You might want to look ahead to figure 412 on the top of page 106, if you're having trouble picturing the direction of current flow in this imaginary surface over which the current density is defined. Now if you read chapter 1 or listened to the relevant podcast, when we first talked about the flux of a vector field back on pages 10 and 11 of the book, we defined the quantity A as the number density of the fluid, that is, how many particles existed per cubic meter, times the velocity of the fluid in meters per second. Just looking at the units of those two quantities, you can see that A is going to have units of particles per square meter per second. And since the number density is a scalar and the velocity is a vector, A will be a vector quantity in the direction of the velocity, that is, in the direction of the fluid flow. Then we said if you wanted to figure out how many particles per second pass through a surface, in the simplest case where the surface is perpendicular to the flow and A is uniform over that surface, you simply multiply A by the area of the surface and that tells you how many particles pass through the surface every second. We can use the same analogy and some of the same concepts to understand current density. But in this case, we ask the question, not how many particles pass through the surface, but rather what is the amount of charge passing through that surface. As it says on page 105 in the paragraph just above equation 4.8, if we make lowercase n the number density of charge carriers, that is, how many carriers per cubic meter, and if we put a charge q on each of those carriers, then the amount of charge passing through a unit area perpendicular to the flow is given by equation 4.8, which is j is equal to n, the number density of the carriers, times q, the charge per carrier, times the vector quantity V sub D, which is just the average drift velocity of the charge carriers. So you can see from this equation that the current density is a vector, it has a direction the same as the drift velocity direction, and the units must be coulombs per square meter per second, or since coulombs per second is the same as ampères, ampères per square meter. So again, referring to figure 412 on the top of page 106, J, the current density, tells you how many coulombs of charge pass through that imaginary surface perpendicular to the flow per square meter per second. Or, if you prefer to think in terms of current, it is the number of amperes per square meter and it has the direction of the current flow. So now the question is, how do you get the current I, the number of coulombs per second, if you know J, the current density? Well, just as in the case of electric flux, there are three cases to consider. And in the first and simplest case, the surface is perpendicular to the flow, and the flow is uniform across that entire surface. That's the case that's covered by equation 4.9 on the bottom of page 105. And in that case, it says, i is simply the magnitude of the current density, j, times the area of the surface. In a slightly less simple case, imagine that you want to know the total current through an area that is not perpendicular to the flow. If you know the vector current density, j, and you want to know the total current i, you simply have to find the component of j that is perpendicular to the surface. And of course, you know how to do that. You simply dot j, the vector current density, into n hat, the unit normal for the surface. This is what's shown in equation 4.10 on page 106. In this case, we cannot simply take the magnitude of j times the surface area. We have to find that component of j perpendicular to the surface, and that's what the dot product does for us. So the second case pertains when j is uniform, but it's at an angle to the surface. And finally, the most general case is the one covered by equation 4.11. In this case, to find a total current through a surface, if the current density is not uniform over that entire surface, and if the angle between the current flow and the surface is not 90 degrees and is possibly variable, then you have to take the integral over the surface of j dot n hat dA. In the case of uniform j, that reduces to equation 4.10, In the case of uniform J, and in which the surface is perpendicular to the flow, it reduces to equation 4.9. But 4.11 is the most general case, and while it might be a little more complex, you won't go wrong using that one to find the total current. There's a final sentence or two on the bottom of page 106, which simply says that the electric current density in the Ampere-Maxwell law includes all currents which include bound currents within magnetic materials. If you want to read more about that and understand how the Ampere-Maxwell law could be written inside matter, take a look at the appendix.